Welcome back to the Parallel Lines Project, the podcast where we separate fact from fiction. Now by we, I mean the royal we. I'm your host, Mark Muldowan, and welcome to episode two, Tunnels. On this week's podcast, Tunnels. Yeah, seriously, tunnels. But I'm not talking about your regular old transportation network type tunnels. I'm talking about basement gambling, opium tunnels, underground cities, and of course, drug trafficking. After that, the recipe this week, vegetarian stir-fried quinoa. Trust me, this shit is delicious, easy to make, and will satisfy even the most fickle of meat eaters. But first... program, uh, feature, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, corrections, omissions, and uh, just generally shooting the shit. Uh, so first off, I want to apologize for some of the weird audio bugs last week. I'll chalk it up to first cast jitters. Uh, I also want to point out that while I definitely wrote Jenny in the script, you can go to my website, uh, markmuldowan.com forward slash podcast to check this out. Uh, for some reason, I decided the proper pronunciation of J-E-N-N-I-E was genie. Uh, I may or may not have had MJ on the mind or something. I, I don't know, but uh, it's pretty weird. Uh, don't worry, my Jewish guilt is in full force, and I will say 10 Hail Harrys for redemption. Oh, Harold Ramis... You may be gone, but forever remembered in our hearts and our basic cable every Groundhog Day. I got you, babe. Oh, and before I forget, uh, if you have a topic you would like to uh, send me to investigate for the show, let me know. I uh, do have some stuff in the hopper, but uh, I always love to tackle new ideas. It's kind of the point of this show. Uh, while I've been keeping it local so far, it can really be anything... I want to make sure that I get my money's worth out of my journalism degree, so go nuts. Uh, give me something good and meaty to bite off and chew. Uh, you can go to my website, uh, markmuldowan.com, uh, and comment on the episode, or drop me a line at uh, markmuldowan at gmail.com, just uh, so you know how to spell my name. It's M-A-R-K-M-O-L-D-O-W-A-N. N as in November at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Now, on to the show. Tunnels. If you live on the West Coast, this may sound oddly familiar to you. Doesn't matter where you are Portland, Seattle, Vancouver, even as far south as LA. Um, but uh, here we'll, we'll keep it up in uh, Vancouver. Uh, let me set the scene. It's uh, the turn of the century in Vancouver. Location is Chinatown. Sitting on the edge of the Commonwealth, the new model colonial city of Vancouver was the jewel in the crown of the British colonialism. While small, the city had a reputation for being cutting edge. Um, for example, the completion of the Canadian National Railway connected the, the far-flung colony to the rest of the Dominion. 
and grander construction projects were on their way. Uh, the Dominion Building was uh, on the edge of Gastown and was set to be the tallest building in the British Empire upon completion. Uh, an electric trolley system began to connect the settlements that would be Greater Vancouver to downtown. And Lord Stanley's Park was beginning to take shape as a modern green space in the heart of the city, much like it is today. But the city had a darker side. On the eastern edge of town, the growing settlement of Chinese workers was seen as a dangerous, seedy element on the edge of this modern, technologically advanced city. Chinese immigration was not new to the city. Many came to help build the railroads or uh, to help with a lot of the mining projects in the interior, specifically the gold rush, uh, offered a lot of promises of wealth to potential immigrants that uh, never really panned out, and a lot of them ended up settling in Vancouver. These strange foreigners had odd old world customs that were really looked down upon uh, by the rest of the city. The Asian community was basically an underclass, subject to constant scrutiny and sometimes violence from the rest of the population. Basically, they were ghettoized and stigmatized. Now, I'm not saying that Chinatown was a nice, happy, crime-free place. In reality, it was far from it. As we all know, poverty breeds crime, and one of the biggest criminal activities in early Vancouver was the opium trade, specifically from China. Now, I know this is a sensitive topic, so I'm going to make this clear. I'm not saying the Chinese immigrant population was responsible for the opium trade or even its only victim. Laudanum was an opium-based medicine, and its use was widespread amongst the English population in the British Empire. Uh, not only that, uh, use among the Chinese of opium was actually tied to British actions before the Opium Wars and ran rampant due to uh, their interventions in China. However, the Chinese opium trade was a part of our city's history and needs to be acknowledged as such. Even Prime Minister Mackenzie King addressed the issue, saying, quote, almost as much opium was sold to white people as to the Chinese, and that, quote, the habit of opium smoking was making headway not only among white men and boys, but also among women and girls. It's nice to see that he had so much concern for the Chinese community as well. Now, in 1907, a white supremacist society whipped up a big enough anti-opium fury in the city to spark a massive riot that utterly destroyed Chinatown and Japantown in Vancouver. They blamed the Chinese community for corrupting good white people of Vancouver. I sure am glad we live in more enlightened times where we don't just blame foreigners, specifically from China, for all the ills that happened to our city. Anyways, I wanted to give some background before I got into the topic today. The tunnels. Of all the famous tunnels under our city, the opium tunnels are by far the most prevalent. I've heard everything. The tunnels ran from waterfronts to select Chinese businesses uh, that housed opium dens to smuggle drugs illegally under the noses of Vancouver's boys in blue. I've heard the network of tunnels extended from store to store, creating something of a giant network, literally an underground city of illicit opium dens uh, underneath Chinatown. Uh, kind of like the malls under Montreal, but with less chainsaws and slightly more drug smoking. Even more confusing, there are actually a shit ton of tunnels hidden under the city all over the place. 
There's a tunnel from Waterfront to the Canada Post headquarters that was used for mail service, um, specifically during the war. Um, they used bikes to go up and down the tunnel uh, and eventually turned it into a conveyor. You can see some old pictures of it online if you look it up. There's a massive collection of steam tunnels under UBC. There's train tunnels near waterfront, security tunnels under old banks. It's just a crazy underground city just beyond our reach. On top of this, the Opium Tunnel urban legend is totally pervasive across North American West Coast cities. As I mentioned at the top of the show, LA, San Francisco, Seattle, hell, even Victoria all have legends of Chinese opium tunnels just littering the city. It's crazy. And to complicate this even more, and I, I keep saying that, and I'm going to keep saying it because this is a really complicated issue. Uh, according to the Vancouver Police Museum, there are actually lots of hidden rooms and compartments all over Chinatown. It wasn't just opium dens either. Gambling was huge business in early Vancouver, and they really had to keep out of sight and out of mind um, by using these hidden passageways. Uh, and you, you can go and, and tour them in some of those old Chinatown buildings. There's false walls and, and passageways that, you know, go around the corner that are hidden behind storefronts. It, it's really cool. But in reality, these opium tunnels didn't really exist. I mean, they're an urban legend. They're, they're in all of these cities because it's kind of a mishmash of, of truth and fiction. Um, I mean, even just thinking of it logically, the amount of, of manpower and effort and coordination and, and, quite frankly, money that would be required in order to build these massive tunnels, it, it wouldn't just be feasible for a, a group that was as impoverished and, and uh, as, as watched on with suspicion as the Chinese community in, in Vancouver. Um, and, and, you know, with all these complications of, of things that are kind of true mixed with things that aren't true, you know, it, it really lets people's minds run completely wild. And it's not just me saying this. Uh, the Vancouver Police Museum and the Vancouver Historical Society have both come out and said that the opium tunnels just don't exist. Uh, there, like I said, there's plenty of these, these um, you know, for lack of a better term, underground rooms and, and, and that sort of thing in these shops. Um, but there's nothing that you would describe as as a tunnel. Uh, it just it, it wasn't feasible for them. And the final nail in the coffin for the opium tunnels under Vancouver is the geography. Um, to my Vancouver listeners, uh, just go to Chinatown and, and take a look. H have you ever noticed that there's a complete lack of underground structures in Chinatown? Uh, most of the historic buildings don't have basements. Think about it. Why? Well, Chinatown was built on a floodplain. It's actually an area that uh, is constantly being flooded by the Fraser River. Um, a lot of the buildings there are actually built on top of stilts that uh, were buried deep inside the ground to prevent this from happening. It's basically marshland. Uh, so opium tunnels, total horseshit. But underground tunnels, like I said before, Vancouver is filled with them. Well, was filled with them. The Canada Post Tunnel that I mentioned earlier has actually been filled now, uh, actually since 2014, pretty recently, due to safety concerns. Uh, the, Canon, the Canadian Pacific Railroad Tunnels were converted for SkyTrain use in both the Canada Line... Uh, 
The Canada Post Tunnel mentioned earlier has been filled in due to safety concerns. That was in 2014. Uh, the Canadian Pacific Railroad Tunnels were converted for SkyTrain use. Even the famed UBC steam tunnels are under very strict lock and key. And for good reason. Specifically, the UBC tunnels have very poor ventilation, and it's absolutely concerned for any would-be urban explorers that want to go check them out. Oxygen levels fluctuate wildly, depending on how many people are in there. Uh, and the carbon monoxide and carbon dioxide levels uh, are quite uh, variant as well, and that is really serious. Uh, poisoning due to carbon dioxide and carbon monoxide are really a legit problem. On top of that, the insulation on the pipes down there is old as hell and literally crumbling off. These pipes get freaking hot and you can easily burn yourself pretty severely if you ever tried to venture down there. Uh, on top of that, UBC has been cracking down on spelunkers, uh, arresting, fining, and uh, generally harassing them to keep them out of the tunnels. On top of the UBC tunnels and the tunnels that have been filled in, there's also a tunnel under West Hastings that was used by the Bank of Canada to transfer cash um, and prevent robberies. But that tunnel again has been sealed. Not filled, but sealed and pretty much impossible to enter. There's one last tunnel in Greater Vancouver that I feel I need to point out. Again, this one is sealed, but remains unfilled. I'm going to take you back to the year 2005. Canada was in a boom. Canada was in a boom time. Podcasting was this kind of new phenomenon that had just exploded after being popularized by some soon-to-be pop culture icon, and everyone was rocking out to the single "Shake It Off." Wait, no, seriously, I, I'm talking about. Uh, no, no, seriously, I'm, I'm not talking about Serial and and Taylor Swift. I'm I'm talking about Ricky Gervais and uh, Mariah Carey. It's fucking weird, dude. Just look it up. I actually looked up to see what was popular in 2005 at around this time, and it just kind of made me do a double take. Uh, I guess some things are cyclical. A anyways, deep in the bowels of Surrey, there were three dudes who thought they were the smartest fucking people on the planet. Under massive... Anyways, deep in the bowel of Surrey, three dudes thought they were the smartest fucking people on the planet. Under a massive hangar in a nondescript plot of land by the border, they began to build one of the most elaborate drug smuggling tunnels ever built between the U.S. and Canada. In fact, I think it's the only drug smuggling tunnel that has been found between the U.S. and Canada. I, I couldn't find anything else um, through uh, some cursory searches, but uh, if you find something, let me know. Uh Sitting three meters deep, one meter tall, and one meter wide, and about 90 meters long, the tunnel was pretty impressive. RCMP and U.S. officials were tipped off early in its construction, probably because building a massive and structurally sound tunnel like that is pretty fucking ballsy. It wasn't even open and in full use for a day when the cops swarmed in on both sides of the border, sealing it shut. So I guess Vancouver is no fun city when it comes to tunnels. But Mark, you say, all you do is take away our fun. I want to go to an underground city, possibly with murlocs or chuds. 
My simple answer is okay, drive about three hours south of here. Seattle, my friends. Seattle has a massive underground city built beneath it. Being perched on a pretty solid hill, Seattle is the perfect place for a network of tunnels. And if you've ever taken a bus there, you'll know what I'm talking about. Not only that, but the historic Seattle city center uh, is now underground, literally. That's right, they built the modern city on top of the old one. It's pretty crazy if you ask me. Now, I've never toured the underground city, but I know people who have had, and they say it's a pretty amazing sight to behold. And looking at my old friend TripAdvisor, which, fuck, I've now used in two episodes in a row, my first two episodes, and they seriously aren't paying me a dime for this, although they should, um, the tours seem to be pretty well-reviewed and relatively inexpensive. So do underground tunnels exist in Vancouver? Yes. No opium tunnels. The only tunnels used for drug smuggling were found in Surrey. Surprise! Now for our recipe today. I want to do something with a bit of an Asian flavor to it to go along with all of our talk of Chinatown. I also want to do something with a bit uh, of a healthier bent to it, especially after those cabbage rolls, which, while good, aren't really good for you. So today I'm going to tell you how to make Asian-style quinoa fried rice. Fried rice definitely in douche quotes there. Here's what you'll need. One package of extra firm tofu or pressed tofu, about 28 ounces, 2 cups of quinoa, 12 ounces of gailan, found at any Asian supermarket worth its salt, 2 carrots, 4 scallions or green onions, 4 cloves of garlic, chopped, 1 small piece of ginger, grated, half a cup of soy sauce, 2 tablespoons of rice vinegar, 1 tablespoon of rice wine vinegar, and 2 tablespoons of sesame oil. First, cook the quinoa. Rinse all the vegetables and tofu and pat dry. Cover the tofu in paper towel and press it between two heavy plates for about 10 minutes. Even if you use pressed tofu, this is key. Chop the carrot, scallion, and garlic, and gailan. It's important to chop the whole gailan as well, not just the leaves or the stalks, but everything, flowers and all. In a large wok or pan, heat up the um, small amount... In a large wok or pan, heat up a small amount of oil on a medium to high heat and fry the tofu until golden. Set aside. Add a bit more oil and fry the white parts of the scallion, the ginger, the garlic until fragrant. That takes about a minute. Then add the gailan and carrot. Stir fry until softened. Add the quinoa, tofu, and sauces. Stir until heated all the way through and make sure there is no excess liquid. When done, serve. It's pretty easy, huh? Well, that's it for episode two of the Parallel Lines Project. Hope you enjoyed it. If you like it, please leave your comments and rate it on iTunes, which we are now approved and on. You can also see the transcript and the show notes at markmuldowen.com forward slash podcast. All music on this podcast is under the Creative Commons license and was found at the Free Music Archive. 
Our theme song is Against the Wall by Boxcat Games, and other music used in the podcast will be credited to the respective owners in the show notes. Have a great weekend, everyone. Keep it weird.